Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. dedicated to Henry Foreman. Welcome, my friends, to the last podcast of the year. Predictably enough, it's my top 20, my top 20 albums of the year, um, which is also a video cast. Is that the right phrase? I guess I don't know. Just a video over on my YouTube channel. So if you want to go and look at my ugly mug over on YouTube, well, go over there and follow the links underneath. Um, thank you to you all for following the podcast over the previous over the last year, um, I see exponential growth in all the numbers in different countries and percentages moving upwards. Um, and the listenership is really, really strong. Thank you very much for that and for tagging me in your end of year top tens. Uh, the podcast appearing in lots of people's um, number ones, top fives, top tens. It's, it's, it's gratifying to know some people out there are listening. Um, as I state at the start, at the top of the podcast, or at the top of the video um, here, um, you know, initially this top 20 was done for Deaf Forever magazine, who I write, you know, sparingly for little bits here and there. But it's it's changed. If you've read that top 20, you'll see it's changed between then and now. Because often the magazines, you know, they have to send in their final copy to be printed several months before the end of the year. And things can change. There are albums that you don't realize like for example you'll see the new Aeternus in my list or you'll see the top 10 has changed um albums that you aren't aware of i think the general perception i came away from this year was a kind of um like chaotically slalom slaloming is that the right word well let's just say flying down the hill without any breaks and there's just so much music out there such a deluge it's insane and it's very hard to keep up as somebody who was right on top of the underground every logo everything back in the 90s and 2000s it's inevitable as you get a bit older you move away from the epicenter of things and a band who is exciting age 22 23 and as exciting to other 22 and 23 year olds is going to be um somewhat removed from your um spheres of influence or your spheres of separation however way you want to say it um and so it's inevitable you kind of lose touch a little bit but i'm like i said um, in the in the video i'm not one of those guys whose records collections stop in 96 and I still keep up with new music, as you'll see when you look at the top 20. And there's loads of new, great new things out there. But there is such an over... It's kind of crazy. There's just so much new stuff out there. And you really have to wonder... Um, 
I was talking to some friends and some smaller to medium sized labels and they were saying that, um, you know, vinyl sales are slowing down, singular sales are slowing down, the cost of living, cost of energy crisis stuff is really biting in, people ordering individual records has slowed down, are they still, are people still selling the same amount of records at the summer festivals, it seems not, more people are buying merch, um, and the whole scene is aging and this is what happens is you know death metal is middle-aged heavy metal is middle-aged you've heard me talk about it often and people have other concerns other responsibilities they have other costs they have other things they have less um let's call it a reckless expendable income than they did at once upon a time and that's how a kind of the economics of a scene slightly contract and then you add in all the other um exterior influences as, such as you know well the cost of living and the cost of energy and that kind of thing i mean people say to me with primordial how come you don't put any vinyls in the online store and to be honest the online store thing is almost it's not that it's pointless now but um you know one or two one or two out of every 10 to 20 things gets missing or gets broken which is your profit margin but also you've got to order the wholesale rate on the vinyl and don't forget what are vinyls made of but oil um and the cost of printing and pressing vinyls has gone up the wholesale rates have gone up you ship them over to ireland then you ship them out somewhere else and those individual postage rates have sometimes gone up three four fold it can cost now 25 um, euros sometimes, 20, 25 euros to post to places that used to cost six or seven or eight. So unless people really want to buy 75 euro vinyls from um, the Primordial Web Store, it seems like a fool's errand. So those things will only really be available on the merch store at gigs. I can see from now on happening. But you got to get to the gigs in the first place. Anyway, enough rambling from me. Um, there isn't a band sponsorship on this episode. Um, and the whole sponsorship thing is going to be revised for next year. I'm also hoping to get a couple more guests, some interesting people from outside music um, to come on. As I understand over the last couple of months, there hasn't been many guests, to be honest. So I'm going to try and rectify that and kick it up again gear next year with some other some videos of so go over on my youtube channel have a look at my ugly mug looking at these records being confused and generally being um an old angry man shouting at clouds without further ado i introduce myself and my own nonsense to you here is my top 20 albums of the year 2023 that is the year is it not all right let's do this it seems like only a couple of months Really, since I did my last um, top 20, uh, the years just fly by, the time just rushes by, there isn't really anything any of us can do with it. Um, of course, this last year, after the previous couple of years of instability with all the lockdown and pandemic and all that, was sort of kind of like getting back to, I'm not going to call it normality, but a sense of normality, but one thing that was sort of... Um, kind of overwhelming was the amount of new music. Now, I think what it is is that... Um, the days when I was totally um, connected to the underground and knew, you know, every single logo, every single band, every single thing was in the 90s and 2000s. And But I've never been one of those people whose record collections just ends in like 1994 or five. I still buy new music. I still buy new, um, new bands, new stuff. But it's become increasingly hard to keep up. But there was a kind of a general feeling maybe during lockdown that things might slow down that um, some, there might be a slight pause on some of the new music among certain people who are maybe my age who've been wondering the exact same thing as me, um, how to be a sort of port in the storm of all this insane stuff. 
and uh, the insane amount of stuff, but it kind of didn't happen over this last year. It just got more and more um, extreme or whatever. And I found it quite difficult to kind to get a handle on so much stuff. Um, quite what this means for the scene, I don't know. I mean, as a uh, booking agent, I do some work with Dragon in Germany. I can say that for bands on the periphery, countries on the periphery of the main scene, trying to get them um, fees to fly into festivals, for example, is very difficult. There's so many bands looking for this opening couple of slots. And um, it feels like the kind of house of cards that was being built up until the pandemic is being slowly built again. Uh, quite what the next thing will be that, you know, brings it all, um, you know, to the floor. I really don't know. But um, the top 20, uh, top 20, this year was slightly easier to compile than the previous year. So maybe I'm not quite as uh, set out. I'm not quite as out at sea as I used to be. Um, but even still, once you get to about 10, 12, 13, 14, if you can find... 10 albums that you really like a year, you're doing really, really well. Um, but when I pick up a magazine like Death Forever or Legacy or some of the other magazines, I just have a little look online. The, the frenetic, it's just like deluge of releases every, every week. Um, it's very, very difficult to keep up. However, I did my top 20 for Death Forever magazine. Um, some of you may have seen it, some of you may have not, but I slightly trolled them for my number one. I'm going to start at number one and then go down to number 20 because a lot of people don't get to, uh, a lot of people watch these videos for, for a couple of minutes. In fact, probably you're by now looking at this guy going, who the fuck is this dude? Get the fuck. Let me get on to my other, um, you know, more important business than watching this guy waffle about his top 20. Um, so if you were going to stay around to the end to get to number one, well, a lot of people would have disappeared by then. So let's start with one and go down to 20 and let try and cut out the superfluous waffle. But then again, maybe that's what you're here for, the superfluous waffle. Um, uh, I did my top 24 Death Forever, along with a, a kind of commentary on the year, um, but because of um, constraints on the, like a word count, my sort of general commentary, well, I had to kind of um, edit it quite considerably. And I suppose the general commentary of the year was a sort of rough... Um, slightly taking aim at some of the armchair sort of internet critics who've been, um, you know, were on forums uh, complaining about X band having Y opinion and this band having that opinion. Um, kind of, you know, not really understanding maybe sometimes the transactional, how should we call it, the artistic transaction that maybe some artists genuinely do want to try and hold power to account or say something about the system or say something about um, culture or history or society that we're living in that contravene the mainstream narrative. Um, and I found, you know, little, little rumors, little um, things being whispered in my ear about people saying this and that. So I had a little bit of a, a little bit of a snipe at some of that, but maybe for the better, um, I had to edit most of it out. So, you know, uh, grown man shouts at clouds. However, I did troll everybody by placing at number one in my albums of the year, Morrissey, Bonfire of the Vanities. Bonfire of the Vanities, Tom Wolf, and Bonfire of the Teenagers. And the reason uh, that's a troll is because it's not released. Um, it seemed to be 
I had to tell people that my favorite album of the year was Morrissey because I did a podcast. You probably maybe saw it. Morrissey is Krieg. Morrissey is black metal. Morrissey says the things that half of most black metal bands don't dare to say or most people in any scene don't dare to say. Um, so the general sentiment was Morrissey is black metal and fucking deal with it. And so my, you know, my little child lizard brain was like, oh, that would be a, an amusing troll to put Morrissey at number one. I did go and see Morrissey uh, during the year, and it was one of the, maybe my favorite concert of the year. His voice was absolutely incredible. Um, and he played a couple of songs from this unreleased record. As I understand, he's in some uh, dispute or argument with his label, and that's why it's not released. So it's not really number one, but my uh for trolling purposes it was number one sorry guts sorry wolf um but my real number one was um and the record i probably listened to the most this year was david eugene edwards hyacinth david eugene edwards is woven hand 16 horsepower um and i'm a huge huge woven hand fan in fact it's probably my favorite band from about 2000 to about 2017 18 um the last couple of albums are hit and miss some being huge hits and some being huge you know kind of not misses but ones I just listened to less and less. Um, and I didn't really expect much or know what to expect from Hyacinth, but it kind of took me back to elements of the best parts of Woven Hand. Um, it's a beautiful, um, you know, Woven Hand is this kind of, I'm not going to call it neo-folk, folk, what would you call it, a religious Americana, sort of dark, bleached black Americana, gothic, um, gothic, not in the gothic kind of sense of the word. I'm sorry, that was me doing a changing the light bulb kind of, kind of dance. Won't be any use to uh, if you're listening on the podcast, but uh, anyway, um, you can imagine me um, doing a little goth dance or whatever. Little Wednesday. Um, what am I talking about? Yeah, David Eugene Edwards Hyacinth. That's my number one album. It's just a beautifully composed record. Incredible lyrics, beautiful singing, um, but just dark, just has weight of seriousness about it. It's a really, really beautiful record and I really recommend it. And um, that's number one. Number two, Clandestine Blaze, Resacralize the Unknown. Yeah, I don't care about your opinion. I just like Clandestine Blaze, whatever. The previous album was better. Um, I preferred the previous album, but they're, they're in a kind of purple patch recently, and it's just really rough, raw, uncompromising black metal. Harsh um, antidote to um, so many um, self-indulgent, pompous things that you know, kind of superficially float around in the same scene. Um, I'm not going to take issue or get into any of the reasons why people don't like that band, whatever, I don't care. Um, if we all were to agree with every band that we listen to, it would be a very short list by, by and large. So number two, Clandestine Blaze, Resacralize the Unknown. Number three is Marduk, Memento Mori. Um, I'm a, I've been a very big fan of the last... Uh, you know, French Fine is great. I really like Serpent Sermon. It's an album that kind of went under the radar. And Memento Mori is a real kick in the arse. It's a really brutal, um, it's a real, um, for, for certain black metal people or people within the scene who maybe hadn't paid attention to the previous few records, who were quite surprised at the, the high level that Marduk are keeping 13, 14 albums in. Um, quite a few of my friends who'd kind of clocked out somewhere all along the late 90s, maybe even those of the Unlight, have been re-finding Marduk again and have been delighting in how fucking extreme it is and, you know, the most brutal voice in black metal. Um, Memento Mori is my number three. Brilliant record. Number four is a band called Poison Ruin. Harvest. 
Um, this is on Relapse Records. This is sort of, um, to tell the truth, it sometimes reminds me of the first two screwdriver records, um, the uh, non-political ones. Um, maybe I shouldn't say that <laughs> on YouTube, but it kind of does. It's like 1980, oi. It's like some of the songs are like Foreskins or something or um, early... What I'm trying to reach into my memory for that famous Oi compilation, you know, with the skinhead on the front with the boot and stuff. Um, it's got this sort of 1980, 81 boots and braces kind of feel to it, a sort of Oi feel to it. Um, that's if you know more about that music, you'll know more about the references than me. It's got some damned, it's got some misfits, it's also got some black metal, it's got some dark throne, the cult is alive style. Um, you know, kind of ripping Dark Throne riffs. It's all done in a very lo-fi production. The artwork's great. Um, the band are probably not going to thank me for that as the first reference. Um, but you know, those 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 first two records are, are or just generally oi stuff as a reference. Um, it's uh, it's a really great record. It looks beautiful. Um, the band have the aesthetic fucking down. I've, I don't know anything about them. I, th I think they're from New York or something like this. Poison Ruin. Um, Harvest, it's called. It's a fucking great record. And this is one of my most listened to records. It's a, it's a record I put on at parties. It's a record I put on parties. Yeah. Um, like I'm <laughs> hosting loads of parties. But it's a record I've put on to people uh, who, uh, you know, you know, you're not going to play Stillbirth Machine or something if they're sitting around having a drink. You've all been toe-tapping and gone, this is fucking great. What's this? Send it to the Solstafir guy, send it to Alcest, and so lots of people. And they're like, oh, Really fucking good. So, Poison Ruin, number four. Number five, Malocarpatin. Malocarpatin make a return with Vertuminous Caesar. Uh, Malocarpatin is um, on Invictus Productions, my friend Dara's label. They are um, Slovakian. Um, the inheritor is really to the crown of Master's Hammer. A quirky, interesting band full of killer, killer riffs. And this record is it doesn't disappoint. They took a little bit of time off. It's just packed with oddball riffs. It's It's got that spirit of early 80s kind of stuff. It's got Pockle Gep. It's got um, Aria. It's got loads of kind of great Merciful Fate style um, riffs and the, the spirit of Master's Hammer, that oddness that Master Hammer in, uh, inhabited like nobody else. Uh, Malachar Patton. Um, number six, Witch Hazel. Um, a band I love. Christian heavy metal band, a bit like Wishbone Ash, Thin Lizzie from England. Um, don't let that put you off. I mean, David Eugene Edwards, my number one. Uh, this is this is Fire and Brimstone Christian stuff as well. Um, whatever. Don't care about your opinion about that. Um, music is music. Witch Hazel is, uh, for me, the best heavy, heavy metal band of the last 10 years. The previous 10 years was Slough Fegg, who I love dearly. But Witch Hazel, this new one is not as good as the previous few too, I think. The production is a little bit different. It's quite drum heavy and the vocals are quite laid back and set back in the music. I understand they were trying to go for maybe a different, harder sound, um, perhaps, but it's, um, it's uh, yeah, it's a great record. Um, Sacrament, it's called. Seven, Depeche Mode, Memento Mori. Um, the previous Depeche Mode album was my number one or two when it came out a few years ago and also one of my very favorite gigs that I saw. Um, I didn't go back and see Depeche Mode in, um, they played open air in Ireland and I knew it was going to be bright for the first half of the show, you know, rugby heads and yummy mummies won't mean anything to you unless you're from Dublin, wandering around drinking and chatting for half the show, waiting for it, 
and it would just do my head in. Whereas when I saw them in the point, um, the point, yes, that's or the O three, whatever the fuck it is, O four, whatever. Um, it was dark. You could see all the Anton Corbin backdrops and all that kind of stuff, and it was brilliant. So I just didn't bother. But the new album is um, it's quite a dark record. It's quite a slow burner. It's a bit less vocal heavy. It's quite soundscapey. Um, it's an interesting record. It takes a lot more time to absorb maybe than I gave it, which is why it's only down at number seven. Number eight is a band from, um, fuck, are they Dutch or are they Belgian? I should have looked that up. Fluster, Flusterars. Um, I presume they're Dutch, actually. Flusterars. Apologies. One or the other. I'll put a disclaimer underneath. Um, Flusterars de Kroenijken. Kroenijken. Um, a band I just randomly found on Spotify, on Spotify, um, because of the oddball artwork and the oddball logo, and I just started listening to one of the previous albums to this, a kind of red cover, and just loved it, loved it. It's super, it's like lo-fi, hard, um, like lo-fi black metal, very, very melodic, almost a bit of Eastern European stuff in there, um, but kind of like really quirky oddball riffs but done in a very lo-fi, almost punky kind of way. I don't know anything about them, which happens to be very often the way things are now. I just latch onto something, I listen to it round and round and round, and go through the whole back catalogue or forward catalogue of a band. Um, then I try and order the Vine Love It or find something to go, like maybe I look up, I'll see, oh, Primordial's playing some blah, blah, blah festival. Maybe every now and again we're asked to play a cool kid festival. Um, and I'll go, oh, Duel is on the bill and blah, 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 blah. Or who do I know here? And then go, oh, Flusterers are playing. Um, you know, I think the last festival was uh, actually a festival in Belgium, kind of like that with all these just uh, cool bands everywhere. And got to check out some new stuff. Halleruin, um, who I quite enjoyed. And, um, you know, the aforementioned Duel, who I also love. And um, just lots of bands, interesting bands everywhere. Um and I presume Flusterars are the kind of band who will be on the third stage at Roadburn or something. If not, they should be. Um, number eight, Flusterars. Number nine, the ever-present Zverum, Zverum, S-V-R-M. It's not an album. I don't know how to pronounce it. Oh, Kmep, Kiemtep, Kneptep. I should have asked somebody, one of my Russian friends or one of my Ukrainian friends to translate that. Um, but Zverum is a one-man band from Ukraine um, that, again, I found a couple of years ago in lockdown. And um, just it's just awesome. Everything Rospad. It's just grim, grim. Um, he pauses for a ugh, uh, a little refreshment of some cheap beer. Um, Lomza, only the best. Um, yeah, Sverim, go and find them on um, Spotify. I don't know if the albums are released on vinyl. I haven't come across them to buy them. Like I said, one-man band from the Ukraine. Pleased to see the guy still putting out music. Um it's very, very good, very harsh, melodic, very just, you know, blasting kind of Eastern European black metal the way you can imagine it. Um, but well worth, and I can see their numbers have risen uh, from monthly listeners to like a few hundred to a few thousand now. So there must be more of me finding them somewhere. Um, if you know people have released them on record, uh, let me know in the comments because I need to get them. Um, number 10 is Aeternus, the philosopher. A late addition to my list that was not in Death Forever. Um, and as I said, the list in Death Forever has been kind of, I've chopped and changed it around a little bit. Um, the Philosopher, I used to love Eternus. We were label mates in Hammerheart. We played together a few times in the late 90s, early 2000s. We were kind of on the similar tra trajectory, us, Thierfing, them, Septic Flesh. We we're all kind of on the same label 
playing some gigs together. Um, and I think Beyond the Wandering Moon, Dark Sorcery especially, is a brilliant EP. Um, and so the night became great records, like brilliant records. I never stopped listening to them. Then it got, started to get a bit too death metal, Shadows of Old. And then there's a long period in the wilderness that I just tried to connect with a couple of albums and they just didn't work at all. But this new one, The Philosopher, is a step back into that late 90s tone. It's more epic kind of stuff. The drumming is great. There's some solid bass playing. It's got good tones. It's a real, real return to form. And that's my number 10. My number 11 is Urfaust, Untergang, um, the swan song of the much-beloved Urfaust, one of the most genuinely original bands of the last 10, 15 years, um, bowing out, uh, you know, with their final record. And um, what a band they were. Uh, thankfully can say that we played with them a bunch of times, befriended them, got them over to play with Primordial uh, once at one of our redemption things with Mugwa, um, yeah, just great. Urfaust, Untergang. Number 12 is Liebach, Sketches of the Red Districts. Um, I really liked um, a single Liebach released. Was it called The Eng Engines of Hate or something like that? Engines of something. God, my memory is so bad. Um, and it got me into a big recent Liebach kick. And I sort of said to myself, what's going on? There's about five records here you just don't know. As a big... Liebach is really strange. Sometimes they hit the mark completely. And I just love an album and listen to it over and over again. Watt or uh, NATO or, you know, what's the album? Volk, I think, with all the songs about the different nations. And then some albums leave me completely confused. I suppose that's the nature of Liebach. It's their, that's their raison d'etre. Um, Sketches the Red District is a beautiful looking record. It's quite minimalist, quite droney, soundscapey, very dark. The, the voice, as you, as you know and love. Um, it's... It's something you'll put on in the middle of the night, maybe, um, you know, to have a fever dream to or something. But number number 12, Liebach. Number 13, Hex Vessel, uh, Polar Veil. Um, most things Matt sings, I can get behind. <clears throat> oh, in fact, all things Matt sings. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and the new Hex Vessel, Polar Veil, is a great record. Continues uh, from the last one. Um, and it's a kind of, you know, this sort of shamanistic, pagan, sort of neo-folk with um, beautiful flourishes of songwriting and great lyrics. And, you know, it's just a great record. And number 14 is Rome, The Gates of Europe. It's very hard to keep up with my buddy Jerome. Uh, the amount of stuff that kind of comes out. And <clears throat> um, this one I, uh, caught my attention less than the previous two, The Lone Furrow and the one before that. Um... The Lone Forward being the one that I did a song on. Um, and, you know, he's a man who doesn't let the grass grow under his feet and just keeps releasing stuff. And he's moved into a sort of slightly more electronic 80s style once again. Good record. The Gates of Europe. Number 15, uh, Autopsy. Ashes, organs, and blah de blah de blah um, Autopsy, Mental Funeral, could be the greatest death metal album of all time. It's in the top three, top four, without a doubt. And I love fucking Autopsy uh, to bits, especially the old stuff. Um, and the new albums, Tourniquets, Hacksaws, Thingy Me Jiggies, very good record. And the new one, it's hard, you know, because death metal, like it's, death metal is now middle-aged and trying to tap into that thing that made death metal great as an old elder statesman of death metal can be hard because it's so linked, ir ir you, know, ir ir um, you know, so linked to the impetuosity of youth and the anger and the, the fuck you-ness of that whole scene. And I was lucky enough to be going to see those bands 
in you know 89 to 92 93 when they were kind of it was all at its peak but um very often old dogs kick hard and um the new autopsy is a fucking great record um one one of the old death metal bands showing us how it's done number 16 cool force dawn of the axe yeah i get it um it's not the most original thing in the world i don't think it's meant to be it's just 80s uh german speed metal um what do you want what do you want um, but it's got great riffs, it's got great tone, really interesting, kind of like almost um, Gates, Beyond the Gates style possessed tone. Not as harsh or as, as dark as that, but it's got an interesting guitar tone. It's tried to, and they've tried to steer clear of some of the normal uh, modern speed thrash metal drumming tones. Um, yeah, good record, killer riffs. Number 17 is Baroness. Um, I'm a big Baroness fan. Not so much the last few. But um, I could tell you which I'm looking here into at my B vinyls <laughs> over here. I'm trying to look at the cover, the uh, the colours, uh, the pink, the the yellow one, the blue one. The you know what I'm talking about, Baroness. Um, yeah, look, Baroness is a is a, a beautiful modern rock band. Awesome twin guitar playing, bit of Lizzie, um, great singing, great composing, great songwriting. It's it's just really really good band, and um, that should be huge should be mastodon style huge anyway number 18 obituary dying yeah i like it good um you know it does what it says on the tin it's better than the previous two or three um i listened to it quite a lot when it came out came listened to it maybe you know quite a few times solid tardy's voice still sounds incredible it's got some cool riffs it's still got the fucking celtic frost fucking thing going on and yeah i mean there's not really much you can say about a new obituary or a new Cannibal Corpse album. Um, speaking of which, the new Cannibal Corpse album is actually pretty good as well. Did make my top 20, but I can put it in as an honourable mention. Um, number, what have I got? Number 19, Great Pleasures. Another Matt vocal performance, Plague Boys. Um, Great Pleasures took an interesting sidestep. It, it's a bit more lo-fi, the production, a bit darker, a bit more um, post-pop than post-punk maybe in places a bit more electronic-y sounding somewhere, um, but all underpinned with this sort of desperate apocalyptic lyricism and great vocals and good songwriting. Um, it's my number 19. And number 20, it could have been Incantation, it could have been a few other things. I give honourable mentions to Sirithungo, The Dark Parade, um, Destructor, who I love, Blood, Bone and Fire, Diabolical Night was very good. I, hey, even the Dokken album, Heaven Comes Down, was down was all right. The New Sadus was okay. Um, but I'm going to give it to Cruciumentum. Um, English brutal death metal band and Obsidian Refractions um, I only started listening to it a few days ago and I've already played it through like four or five times really solid good dark evil death metal in the vein of incantation immolation and that kind of stuff well worth a look um, and that rounds out my top 20 um, my overriding sort of impression of this year is that it's just again skidded by really really quick and like I said, as someone who used to know every logo and every underground thing, opening a magazine now, I'm just like, what the fuck? It's, it's, it's almost overwhelming. There's so much music. And I do wonder about how the scene deals with that or exists with that, because it seems like the scene is getting older, more middle-aged. Is there less younger people coming into it to be as excited by these new bands as people were 10, 20, 30 years ago? You kind of need a new reinvention of people coming into the scene, um, you know, to be as excited about the new Cruel Force as 
somebody was about Niflheim in 98 or 97 or whatever the comparison might be. Um, I'm not sure if that's happening. I'm not sure if attendances, attendances on smaller tours seem to be a bit down. Some of the boutique festivals are not doing so well. I think that's because of flights, hotel costs. The end, the, the whole cost of living energy crisis bullshit um, has an effect on the scene, whether anybody likes it or not. Singular orders to mail orders are down from when I speak to every label because, well, just the cost of ordering a, ordering a record now is... Um, sorry, my I popped out there. Um, it's just so expensive. And like even primordial mail order, people are messaging me going, why don't you post put vinyls up for sale? And the truth is... They have to be ordered from Metal Blade at a wholesale rate. Um, and then you've got, obviously, the import costs of that, you know, whatever that is, the postage from there to here, then the packaging, then the sending out. And so sometimes, unless you're going to sell something for 45, 55, 65 euro at the end of the day, and after the fact that the post office break every one or two of them, um, it just seems kind of pointless. And I know that an awful lot of underground labels are talking about something similar that actually CD sales have gone up because the postage isn't so expensive, but single vinyl orders, which had a boom, you know, big spike at the start of the pandemic and lockdown, and then eased down that they haven't kind of come back up. And I have no idea, do people still buy lots of vinyls at um, small festivals? Seems like those um, sales are kind of down a little bit as well. It's hard to say. So what can I say other than try and go out to local shows and buy the vinyl or the CD of band at the merch store and, you know, or the merch table and all that kind of thing. Well, my friends, that is um, also going to be an episode of Agitators Anonymous. And if you're listening to this as part of the podcast, you can go over to YouTube to look at my dumb face saying the exact same thing, obviously. Um, but you do get a little bit of side boob every now and again. Um, you know, that's what you pay your money for. Um, all right, then. That is my top 20 of 2024. And if Morrissey does release Bonfire of the Teenagers, um, 2024, 2023, if Morrissey does release that record next year, that'll probably be my number one as well. He can get two number ones in a row, can't he? All right, then. Until next time.